BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. She can be very short and abrupt with people in, in, in somewhat of a ROM kind of way. She is very smart. She is very, I think, intentioned. I think she does have the uh, future of the city at the forefront. I do think that her ideas to try to bring some equity across the city is something that hasn't really been talked about since maybe Harold Washington. Those issues do need to be addressed. Hi, everybody. I'm Fran Spielman. It is the end of a brutal year. And here we are again with my colleagues, Tim Novak and Mark Brown to talk about the year we've had. Thanks for joining us, guys. Happy New Year and happy holidays. Happy holidays. Good to be on. This has been another action-packed year for a city that is the best news town in the world, as we've said many times before. Let's go back and look at it. I think let's start where it began, really, with the changing of the guard in Springfield. Mike Madigan finally ran out of time and ran out of support. The ComEd scandal that had uh, closed in around him with his top aides and implicated him personally. The Me Too scandal and the damage that was done to him before that, the weakening of his image by all those Bruce Rauner ads, all of it cumulatively, his power came tumbling down. What surprised you, Mark, about that changing of the guard that it took so long in happening, or that Chris Welch was the one who stepped forward to assume the mantle? I guess it would be... <laughs> I just, I guess the surprise would be that it, that it ended up happening at all because of, uh, of Mr. Madigan's staying power and, and that he didn't, he never did relinquish it voluntarily. He made him take it from him. And Welch was certainly one of the people that we saw moving up and positioning himself to be there. And he seemed to get there with Madigan's blessing in the end to a certain extent. But the surprise, of course, just is, is that you just, it was a day you just never thought was going to come. You just, how, how, how will this ever end for Mike Madigan? And, and it finally has. You literally thought he would die with his boots on or be dragged out of there by indictment and conviction? Did you really? I didn't think he'd ever die. <laughs> he's too mean to die. He's got, he's, you know, in the last few years, you just wondered what's the end, what's the end game here? And then, of course, you thought maybe 
the feds are going to supply the end game. But they, of course, they still haven't. They have not pulled the trigger on an indictment. Even as we go into the final weeks here of the year, I think many of us were still still looking at that. And I would think if it doesn't happen in the first six months of next year, that it's not going to happen. But Is it going to happen, Tim? What do you think? You're the corruption guy. I'm not a corrupt guy. I don't think. No, I said you're the anti-corruption guy, the investigative guy. But, you know, it's very, um, it, it, it's maybe one of the toughest cases the feds have ever had. They don't seem to be able to put together a case that they can charge them. I mean, we hear all these cases that are out there are parts of a of a potential RICO racketeering case, of the ComEd case, stuff in the assessor's office with um, various tax breaks for the skyscrapers that the speaker has represented for decades. But yet we've seen nothing. We've seen some guilty pleas. I think just in the last week, we saw one of uh, the speaker's minions, a former state rep, Eddie Acevedo, pled guilty to income tax fraud case. But there's no indication that any of these people are giving them what they want. The, the, the belief here is that the speaker's former close aide in the House and a longtime friend, Mike McClain, was believed to have been the guy who would flip and give the feds everything they wanted on Mike Madigan. And that just has not happened. And you don't think he will? You never really know what somebody will do when push comes to shove. But yeah, when it's your rear end or my time, my rear end time, what does he do? Does he go to the slammer for his buddy just to keep friendship and loyalty together? It, it, that's a really good friendship if someone is willing to do that. Husbands no. and wives have turned on each other. Absolutely. To save their asses, you know. Uh, parents and, and children, all, all sorts of relationships. But so far, McLean has, to my knowledge, has not been willing to squeal on the speaker. Now, Chris Welsh wealth wasted no time, not that he had a choice in some of it. He had to do the, the congressional maps and the legislative maps and the judicial maps. But he also pushed through criminal justice reform, a sweeping bill, a host of other social justice legislation pushed by the Legislative Black Caucus. And he even rammed through a couple of pieces of legislation over Mayor Lori Lightfoot's very strenuous objections, showing how little clout she really has in Springfield, a 21-member elected school board, a firefighter's pension sweetener that she claims will cost Chicago taxpayers $850 million through 2055, and are they even strengthening strengthen the bargaining power of a Chicago teachers union that is dead set against Lightfoot and plans to run a challenger against her. What surprised you about what Welch was able to accomplish, Mark? He's got a, a, a very strong majority, and the Democrats can pretty much do what they want down there. In the past, I, I think Republicans, voters in the state wouldn't believe it, but Mike Madigan is a force that in general would constrain some of those very liberal tendencies of the Democratic Party and Democratic legislators in Illinois. He wouldn't want them taking chances that would put them too far out over their skis. So he would kill off a lot of or slow down, bottle up this type of legislation that would, you know, that anything that you would consider to be revolutionary. 
But with the whole Black Lives Matter movement, it was a time in Illinois when the, the, the time was ripe to do this stuff, and there was nobody to hold it back. And it didn't surprise me that that Welch could pass it. I'm not sure any of us still know exactly what's in in yeah. there and how it's and how it's going to work out once it all starts to go yeah. into effect. Yeah, that's a story in itself that bears watching. The coronavirus. A year ago, we had such great hope that we would finally be free of this because of an incredible scientific breakthrough of multiple vaccines in record time. In the summer, we celebrated Chicago's reopening as if it were VJ Day or VE Day, the end of World War II, which I might add, none of us were alive to see, even though we're, we've all been around quite a long time. And then we end up the end of the year taking steps backward. Cases are surging. The Omicron variant, we've got uh, vaccine identification mandates coming in, restaurants temporarily closing. This is really depressing. What surprised you about this? Nothing, because you have so many people who are so adamant against being vaccinated. And there's a great deal of animosity and, 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 and it's just, it, it, the, the coronavirus is just, to me, it's indicative of the division in the country where you've got people on one side and people on the other side and they, they don't care what the other people think or do. Um, both sides think the other side is completely wrong. And you just, we're coming out with this new program now, we're starting in January, we're all gonna have to be vaccinated to go to restaurants and shows and, and concerts and, uh, sporting events, and maybe that's a good thing, but how is that going to be enforced when the person shows up and refuses to go away because they're not vaccinated? I, I don't know how businesses are going to actually enforce that. Yeah, and then there's, of course, the fraud possibility, which is why you're supposed to show your driver's license or photo ID with it. But that's easy to, to do, too. And these poor businesses, these poor restaurants and bars, they have been through so much. Closings twice, capacity limits. They have a shortage of help. They have rising food prices. They are barely hanging on. If they hung on at all, 20% of them didn't. Can they do this, Mark? What do you think? I, of course, we all worry that, that, that they can't. That, but underlying it all continues to be that there is this desire from all of us to get out there and to go to the restaurant and live our lives normally again. So if, and we've seen that if they can just get over the hump, it can be okay but I, I don't know if we can keep going to the well with more federal money to get us over the hump. Can't I don't think we can go that route again. It, this I'm worried, and I'm worried about the next variant that comes along when we don't seem to be able to get on top of the easier versions of it. I don't know. I, I honestly, I didn't. I, a year ago, I did not expect us to still be in this situation, and. <laughs> Is it, does it really, it, does it go back two years ago now? It's like almost impossible to even keep track of how long we've been It after. is almost two years. It'll be two years in February of 2022 or so. The avalanche of federal stimulus funds that has at least helped to ease the revenue burden on the city and state. It allowed Lori Lightfoot to play Santa Claus 
increasing the city budget exponentially with all this one-time money. She's playing Santa Claus. She's doing all this stuff. What happens when the money runs out? She was able to keep the property tax increase in the levy to $76 million and only because of the automatic escalator that she put in place last year and also because she's funding her capital plan. But all these new programs, including guaranteed basic income, what happens when this money runs out? Fran, I think we were counting on you to answer that question for us. Maybe she's counting on not being mayor anymore and then leave it in the pile. I think she still wants to be mayor, but she did. Weren't there some, the federal government didn't want you using the money to just pay down the bills. So that created a problem. So she played uh, a did. shell game with that and she moved money around and she freed up money in the corporate fund to retire the borrowing, the, sh the scoop and toss borrowing. And so that was all a big shell game anyway. But the point being But, but that's that, a good shell game, right? That yeah, I guess we, it is. Yes, it is. That but we, if we got rid of scoop and toss, that's, a ver that's very much a positive out of this situation. I, I, but I share your uh, concern, you know, what happens, the guaranteed basic income I, I don't think we're throwing that much money at that. But 32 it, million or so. Yeah, you and I both seen it come down to 32 million and that means a tax increase. That, that, it's not an insignificant amount. I know the homeless service people, that's, that's an issue I follow a lot. A lot. They, they were very happy to get this big infusion of money, even if it's not all being spent the way they want it spent. I mean, that those some of these things can pay off in the long run, I think. But I, I anytime there's one-time money, I like, oh no, <laughs> what's, what, right. you know, what's, what are we going to bite off that we can't, can't keep doing afterwards? I'm in Chicago, Tim. The fact that Chicago is ending the year with over 800 homicides, the fact that it is carjacked, and shootings are surging. People feel afraid. This is the overriding issue. It is absolutely paramount to Lightfoot's political future to get this under control. She thought it was so important. She gave a year-end speech about crime, telling people she understands we'll do better in the new year. Why is this that Chicago is so, even though crime is surging in other cities, yes, it is. No one wants to hear that. But Los Angeles and New York, they don't have the kind of homicides we have. What is it that why can't we get this under control, Tim? <laughs> there's no simple answer to this, I think, or somebody would have done it by now. But I think there's so many issues that have been layer caked together here. I think a lot of this does go back to the demolition of the housing projects along the uh, Dan Ryan. And people were scattered into neighborhoods where you, you lost gang boundary divisions and you, you, you created a lot of war zones where you didn't have that before. And yeah, I know block by block. You, I know that's been almost 20 years now, but I still think we're seeing the residual effects of it. You're, you're still seeing the, the devastating impact of the neighborhoods that have been just left to die on the vine for generations now. And I think what you're seeing is that people are no longer willing to accept those living conditions. And that came out during George Floyd. That came out during COVID, where people were being um, put out of their jobs in the most 
essential workers that we all had, no matter where you were in the country, were some of the, were the people who were living in some of the worst conditions of any American. Those were our essential workers. For years and generations, we treated those people with, we, we didn't really pay any attention to them. They were just there, they did their jobs, but then they became important. We, she is trying to use some of this money to improve the neighborhoods and certain housing projects. And that's good. I just wonder if it's not enough and if it's too late. I, I don't know really how you're going to turn all that around, but there is so much hopelessness on, on so many people's behalves that they don't, they're, they're, they're reacting in ways that we've not seen since the late 60s. Yeah. The August Can traffic. I just say that beyond the, beyond the emptying out of the CHA, I think more basically we're paying for our history of segregation and, and racism. Just, it's just, yeah, you don't want to start there at that point in time. It's, just, it's the, the broader picture of how we've screwed up the city. Let's go on. The office, the August traffic stop in West Englewood that left Chicago police officer Ella French dead her partner, Carlos Yanez Jr., fighting for his life after being shot by one of the men in the car. This was a really important moment in that the frustrations of the police just boiled over. The mayor was told repeatedly by the wounded officer's father, Carlos Sr., a police officer himself, retired, that he didn't want her at the hospital visiting his son. And she showed up anyway, and the cops turned their back on her. And this was a, a symbol of their frustration. They believe, and, and the officer's father believes, that her policies, her reforms, her eliminating police vacancies in her first budget to balance her budget, tied their hands in every which way to the point where it set the stage for this horrible tragedy. I am sympathetic to the police for feeling that they've been put in a bad position and that they are uh, second-guessed out there and that nobody has their backs. I, I, it, at the same time, it frustrates me because, you know, the, it, a lot of this emanated from them getting too free a hand, in my opinion, and for bad policing to not be punished and bad shootings. I went to bat for the police officer who was involved in the shooting of Adam Toledo back in March. That's a case that I know has still right. has the police watching that one to see whether the officer involved in that shooting is going to be disciplined. I personally believe that police officer did nothing wrong despite the very tragic outcome. That case Cases like that, then they get thrown together with the, the bad shootings, like the Laquan McDonald case. I, I, I wish, I think a lot of the problem here is that the police aren't, are, are laying down. And, yeah, and I understand I why they're laying And I understand I why they're laying down. So I, I don't. That's really another element of the crime problem. Police are retiring in droves. Anybody who can is leaving. They're taking a job in the suburbs. They are going to work for a private security company. She can't fill the vacancies. Nobody is taking the test, or at least too few people are taking the test. Even if she tries to fill the vacancies, which she has money to do in this budget, it'll be hard to do it. 
And so the police are down. The ones who stay are demoralized. They're laying back. And then the, the criminals know it. They're emboldened. They spread their word on social media. They taunt the police. It's a terrible cycle we're in. And I consider it a really bad time to be mayor because all the problems are like coming home to roost and COVID is making everybody crazy. And I, it's not like Rom solved the problems or Daly solved the problems. All this has been coming at us for a long time, but <laughs> I don't see any, I don't see any sol easy solutions I don't know what they are, but I do know that people get fed up after a while and then they turn to somebody else to see if they can solve the problem. Tim, Mayor Lightfoot celebrated our midterm anniversary by declaring she would only do interviews with reporters of color. Let's talk about the statement she made and where she stands at midterm. Do you think that was a diversionary tactic to, to don't talk about my record, let's talk about the statement I'm making? And the uh, and the white, overwhelmingly white nature of the news media, or was it a legitimate statement? What do you think? I, I thought it was a tempest in a teapot. Um, I, I don't I, personally, as a white male reporter, I did not. I was not offended by that. I took no umbrage. Um, there are, if the mayor talks to the, to the reporters at the front of coverage, they're generally going to be white. So if she wants to, as a black woman, if she wants to carve out some time, that's okay. She wasn't saying she wasn't going to talk to any white at any time. I just, I, I think of all the things that you can criticize the mayor for. I, to me, that's a, a insignificant issue. She's got more on her plate than she thought she would, than I think anybody thought they would when she ran. There's no easy solutions. She can be a very polarizing figure. She can be very short and abrupt with people in somewhat of a ROM kind of way. She is very smart. She is very, I think, well-intentioned. I think she does have the uh, future of the city at the forefront. I do uh, think that her ideas to try to bring some equity across the city is something that hasn't really been talked about since maybe Harold Washington. And those issues do need to be addressed and, and at least out in front uh, for people to debate. But she's really having a tough go of it. And crime is the big... We have to talk about corruption being who we are and being Chicago being what it is. The indictments of Alderman Patrick Daly, Thompson, and Carrie Austin this year. And then we have the continuing stalling game by Ed Burke. He's nowhere near trial. Three years almost since the first trial charges were filed against him. We also have the lesser not corruption, but wrongdoing in the lifeguard scandal at the Park District that forced Superintendent Mike Kelly and Board President Avis Lavelle out. Lightfoot very slow to react to that. Is this, Mark, the end of the daily era, especially with all the proposed new maps turning his ward into an Asian majority ward? For decades, we all thought that the next generation of dailies would somehow produce somebody to assume their rightful place on the throne. But now, is that assumption wrong and is it dead? I would not count the dailies out. They understand this uh, political game at, at a level just so basic uh, that it, it far exceeds my own understanding, that's for sure. I do think Patrick Daly's fate, I think, is... Patrick Daly-Thompson. 
uh, Patrick Daly Thompson's fate, excuse me, is tied up in this federal corruption case involving the, the bank in Bridgeport. I, if he could survive that case, I, I think it's possible he could be reelected. I don't think the Asian majority would necessarily prevent him from being elected because it's not an it's not an Asian elect uh, American electoral majority. It's just sheer mm-hmm. census numbers. I think he could survive in that. I I would guess right now he probably will not. On one level or another, he's not going to get there. John Daly's still the county commissioner. That's in the finance chairman of the county board. That's a pretty powerful position. That that keeps you something. And you never know if there's a member of that next generation looking to step up, although I don't think Tim has identified one and he's always got his eye on him. Yeah, Tim, what about that next generation? I would never rule anybody in the Daly family out of anything. I believe they believe this is their city. And I do think at some point you will see someone run for mayor from that family. It might not be now. The word was that Patrick Daly Thompson wanted to be the mayor. I'm not sure that's going to happen, whether he beats this case or not. And they've just been in power so long. There's so many people who are still loyal to them. There's so many people who long for them to be back in power. I think there's a lot of people out there who think that the dailies could put things under control in a way that nobody else is. But I do have to say there is a very close alliance, a reverence between Lori Lightfoot and Richard M. Daly. Yes, she took right. advice for him. She still does. So would their family challenge her? I would think that maybe not. I would think not this time for sure. Uh, she did end up beating Bill Daly the last time, although I think at the time that happened, nobody thought Lori Lightfoot would come out of that election. That's right. That's in right. one of the two seats. I think that generation of Daly's, the Mayor Daly's generation, they're all in their late 70s or 80s. I, I think they are out of the picture in terms of running for office again. As long as they're alive, they will still always be in the picture. I think that the next generation of the grandchildren of Richard J., they're all in their 40s and 50s now. There's a couple who could possibly have an interest in it, but so far no one has expressed any interest. And maybe it is the next generation of the kids who were in their 20s. Okay, so we'll have to wait a while. As we look forward to the new year, Let's talk about the Bears exercising their option to purchase the site of the Arlington International Race Course. Is there, will they go through with that? Is there anything that Lori Lightfoot, who is a Bears season ticket holder, can afford to do that would satisfy the Bears and help them compete in the modern day finances of the NFL? Or are they a goner? And do we care anyway because they're so lousy? And I don't care. And I'm the you, you think fan. they will move and you don't care? And I don't care. No, I, it no. doesn't. I'll still be watching the games on TV mostly, probably, and and be frustrated and be yelling at the TV. And that, that doesn't change where they are. I'd rather they were still in the, in, in the city, but I, I think they could make more money at a different location. And uh, not yeah, even it, close it, to what she could do. Not even close. It, it, she's not even going to be in the ballpark financially with what they need. When you see SoCal Stadium, that a uh, SoFi Stadium rather, and huge stadiums like that, the big money makers, the Bears can't compete with this Soldier Field configuration. It, it, it was outdated the moment it opened. 
Yeah, but it it did make it, I did cover that back at the time, and it it made it made the McCaskey much richer than they were yeah. before. There yeah. was a lot of money in that for them. Yeah. And it's I find it funny that now that they, they could you know need a new stadium to get even richer. Uh, but but, but that's think, the NFL. That's the NFL. Yeah. It's built in with planned obsolescence. They yeah, have to have new stadiums. So SoFi though apparently was built by the developer. That's private money in that, which is we're not seeing that here. McCaskies yeah. don't have that much money, really. So maybe they sell after Virginia. At no. some point, Virginia's 98 years old. She's not going to live for She's going to go a little, she's going long enough to see that stadium, I think. You do have some ownership that's outside the family. You that's have right. Ryan, and Ryan, Andy McKenna. And Andy McKenna. I think they each own 10%. And people have speculated that when Virginia dies, right. her share will be diluted among her children and grandchildren. Right. That, that McKenna and Ryan could end up with a larger share uh, than they have right now, just by the way the money gets diluted. I agree with that. Too. I, I don't think the bears are going anywhere. Oh, I think you're dead wrong. The gubernatorial election as we close, hedge fund billionaire Ken Griffin, Illinois' richest man, is promising to go all in financially to deny Governor J.B. Pritzker a second term. He made good on his threat to defeat the governor's constitutional amendment that would have paved a way for the graduated income tax. Can he do this in this battle of billionaires, one richer than the other? Who's the candidate? I, I, I cannot see that man winning the election. What do you think, Mark? Will Pritzker be reelected easily? I don't know about easily, but I expect him to be reelected. It's just it's like with the, uh, the mayor. It's been a tough time to be a chief executive and have to manage this COVID thing. And just it just makes people it just brings out just anger. this vehement anger in people. And there's just a lot of people that really got it in for him because of that. And I don't understand why, because I, I think he's managed things sanely and done a decent job. And with that note, we will close and thank my colleagues, Tim Novak and Mark Brown for their wisdom again and their reporting throughout the year. And we will watch with interest to see how wrong we might be. And we will see you all in the new year. Thanks, Fran. Thank you, Fran. 